Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Maybe Next Year, a delightful jaunt through the life and times of the Buffalo Bills, as witnessed by three jolly old souls. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. And today's delightful story is the Buffalo Bills have once again opened a hellscape hole into the death spiral that is known as losing to the New England Patriots, um, coupled with several of our other of our favorite classics, including uh, a lot of self-worth issues that will come up, um, bits of uh, just just detriment across the board. I'm sure there is some self-harm that we will end up discussing. Um but it's familiar territory, if not pleasant territory. Uh, the Bills lose just an absolute shithole of a football game, 14 to 10. Um, it, it was like the worst AFC North game ever. It was just awful. Uh, it, it, it included. It was nearly NFC North level bad. It was it's like watching Lions Bears. NFC North, though, feels like they turn the ball over. Things happen. True. But like this was just brutal. And the only thing that really like the piece de resistance, if I may, and I know I've gone on quite a bit. I usually have turned this over by now. But I feel like the piece de resistance was that, at least from my perspective, and we will get this into the game, the the Bills had several very clear chances to win this football <laughs> game and the Patriots didn't and they still lost. And so like that, that's just like the last little bit of delicious billsiness i think we're gonna have to like uh dust off billsy here at least for this week because I, I feel like it was a very billsy turn of events um to just get waxed in a snowstorm in a in a windstorm football game um but i've gone on long enough i'd like to turn um to our british correspondent who i don't know maybe with the with the conversions uh between the uk and the u.s the bills actually won this game scott but i i'm not i'm not hopeful didn't it went the other way it, it actually looked worse than it did no oh, uh, yeah i mean Sounds so I, right <laughs> I was i was so i i didn't watch the game live obviously it being on at roughly one o'clock in the morning here well um, you, you have us. that on us we did watch yeah. the game live so you win that yeah but then you had to volunteer to go watch the game later <laughs> and then i so i saw that we lost that the bills lost and then i i was like oh that sucks and I then watched the game like three days later and I'm like, this is not what I actually expected because 1410 where like it's it it to me, it seemed like, oh, well, this is a game where the offense just never got on track at all. And New England was able to kind of turn a turnover or two into something on offense, which is which is fair to what New England did. They got basically one lucky break and. Uh, not lucky break. It was a good play design and a good, yes. well-executed run that the Bills did not defend correctly to get the 67-yard touchdown. And then they kicked two field goals, and that and one of those was off of a turnover, if I'm not mistaken. So, right. Um, certainly not a. Uh, but but that's New England. We've seen the Bills lose to New England that on those kind of games plenty of times. But usually it's because their offense never gets into first gear. And the offense clearly was in first gear for the offense had gotten to second and third gear at various points in the game, but could not. Um, they they I, drove I'm all the way home and driving back. It in the, yeah, they couldn't park it in the garage at the end. They just. Yeah. Yeah. They got to their exit off the freeway and yeah. just kind of spun into the pylon and right. uh, just 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 yanked the wheel way too hard. And. It's just, 
Um, they call it the and curve that, on the road I, test is basically what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what it is is you bring up the Billsy kind of thing. And that is that is where this comes in, right? Because the talent was there. Obviously, yes. guys had gotten open. Um, Josh Allen was seemingly capable of making good decisions some plays, which means that in general, he's capable of making good decisions. He's not congenitally uh, prevented from making good decisions. So he's like not born guys. a bad decision maker, right? Yes. Um, you know, the again, Bills receivers who have been catching passes this year um, were open and available to catch passes, but then they didn't. They didn't do that. Uh, they didn't catch the passes. There's this kind of bizarre. Let's get. I understand. Matt Breida fumbled on his first carry. Got it. Not great. This is a game we kind of needed Matt Breida more, right? Right? Yeah. Am I crazy? Thinking well, we'll this? get to that. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but, but go ahead. I mean, but more than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. <laughs> yes, that much. I'm fine. I'm a, I'm fine agreeing that like Matt Breida should have shared some of those carries, but I have some. Yeah. I joked on yeah. Twitter we should have traded for one-legged Damian Harris once his hamstring started bothering him. <laughs> because after he pulled his hamstring, he still had like a 15-yard run. Yeah, it's it was it was the it was the failure of execution by not just the, the players, but also the coaches yes. in terms of using the using the talent on the field and executing against a team that was not that was not better than you at home in a game that could not have mattered more. More. I mean, it literally was it is it is our people were saying this is the most important end of game in the nfl this year let alone in the bills of the patriot seasons yes. and we lost it at home because we couldn't execute and that is something that is going to be written on the tombstone of this team if it doesn't win the super bowl because that is that was the expectation of this team going into the season was we were gonna we were gonna be in a position to win the super bowl going to the super bowl and this team may not make the fucking playoffs and well that is a church I want to confirm with one thing before you before we move on with you that you you feel like the Bills are the better team despite this game. I feel like they yes yes I do I mean I I, I think I, yeah I, I agree. agree I'm not disagreeing I just there are I mean I mean the the you know the the soliloquies coming out of Boston <laughs> have been mm-hmm. nauseating to say the least. Um, I will Probably get to some of that in my thoughts of the, after I let of the, have his say. Yeah. Soliloquy, an overstatement of the of the uh, precision, I'm sure, at which those are delivered. But yes, yes please, pretty much Paul, so. right. I, Paul, I, get to it. Yeah, I'll try to channel Sun Tzu in my analysis here as well. <laughs> um, I am glad you both went there because I agree fully. And apologies to uh, my friend Vin, a uh, Patriots fan who's been, who's been listening to our podcast uh, a lot of this season. I agree with both of you. Uh, that the Bills are a more talented team than the New England Patriots. I I think that was true last season. Certainly, we saw that. In 2019, I think, was when the Patriots really probably had a little more developed talent on both sides of the ball than the Bills did, which explains why they swept the Bills. But yeah, that's what makes this frustrating. You go man-to-man, down the lineup, comparison-comparison. The Bills should win this game on paper. They're at home. It's a it's a Monday night, and the Patriots did absolutely nothing that we didn't expect, except pass maybe even less than we expected them to pass in this game. Uh, obviously, because we all expect them to pass more than three times, I would assume. So this was really immensely frustrating to to watch from a fan's perspective. I think I think uh, Scott had mentioned the red zone opportunities. 
Uh, I think they were in the red zone four times, and they got to the 29 one other time when Brita fumbled. So that's five times inside the opponent's 30, and you get uh, one one play touchdown drive, uh, the pass to Gabe Davis after Nkeel Harry had the ball bounce off his helmet, and then you have one one Tyler Bass field goal. This was there's such a, a failure of execution. Scott put that so well. I, I don't want to harp on that terminology too much, but he really, really nailed it. If you're on the coaching staff, you knew what to expect out of the Patriots today. You sh- on both sides of the ball. I don't think they did anything surprising based on one, my observations and two, what was said in the immediate time after the game. And also, you know, the day after once the players had watched film. So there's really no excuse for that happening. I am definitely most concerned. One thing Scott didn't bring up is the complete. I feel like this coaching staff for five seasons now has been so well organized. They've known what they wanted to be. And when it comes to running a football, they have no idea what the hell they want to be. They have some linemen who are straight ahead blocking Mauler types. They have some linemen who are more, you know, pulling types who help with the outside run game uh, and, and that sort of design. They have them blended in up front. And then week to week, they change to the point where, as, as we were reading uh, Joe Biscalia's column in The Athletic, Mitch Morris had been one of the best players on the team. And then then they're switching to the straight ahead run style. And now he's one of the worst and he because he's not a good straightforward power run blocker. Uh, and they they finally decided, well, let's test and see if Josh can pass okay in this. And yeah, he wasn't precision, but he was he passed okay with the wind. He threw some tight spirals in there. He got some completions, but they didn't try that until what late in the third or early in the fourth quarter. And I, I don't want to let the the defense fully off the hook here. When you look at the total yardage, it was a very good game, but it was total yardage in a game in the wind with a, a passer who the Patriots didn't even pretend could throw in those conditions and you still let uh, a huge rushing touchdown. You still give the Patriots too many occasions where they were getting first downs on the ground. And yes, it was not Super Bowl 25 where the Patriots had 40 minutes of, of possession, the, you know, like the Giants did in that Super Bowl. But it was, it, they had more than half the possession in the game because the Bills were still letting them convert third downs. So, yeah, 70% of it uh, in the gameplay is on the offense to me, about 30% on the defense, special teams. I'm not even going to blame Tyler Bass for that miss because he should not have been in that position and the wind was was atrocious. So, yeah, I, there's a billion more things I could say, but I think I've covered everything that's that's notable that I can think of. I disagree with Paul with regards to the defense. I think it was a good defensive day. I think that. Uh, I mean, you look at total yardage, Frank. You're right. It, it, it was a good defense. I day. do, and I and I and I don't want to look. I, I said it at the time that with this type of condition, you're not wrong, Paul. It, you, you have to kind of be perfect on every play in some ways because it was clearly going to be a one possession type of game based just solely on the wind. So you know, Micah Hyde over pursues. And Damon Harris is off to the races, and that's 50 or 60 yards of of rushing right there. But I think that defensively, even though they had the ball and they were able to convert first downs, they really didn't do anything. They just they just didn't do anything. Like they they would run and they would get some first downs and then they would punt. Um, and two times they kicked a field goal. So I don't. It's yeah. It didn't lead it didn't lead to point. It's not like they were running into the end I, zone every play. And the other thing that, like, I think that really irks me with regards to, like, Belichick, the genius game plan is that, you know, Belichick, the genius game plan relied on, you know, Dawson Knox dropping three passes and Cole Beasley dropping a pass, all of which, like, basically hit them in the hands. And while we're while there's precedent for that for Knox, you know, it isn't so much with with um, 
with Beasley and, you know, you get this great, great pass to, to Diggs in the end zone that sort of floats and just kind of moves at some point in the air and Diggs can't find it. And like, but it's there, it hits him in the arm. And, you know, overall, I think the bills, uh, I think Scott has the right of it that the, the, that there were things that were clicking with the team, but inexplicably they would get in the red zone and they would try to run straight up the middle with Zach Moss. And I don't know why. I don't know why, because the Patriots are already good at that, at defending that it, 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 they just they just insist on handicapping themselves when they get to the red zone. I don't understand how you have can how you can have watched Josh Allen for the last couple of years, even taking in, into account his his rookie and second year where he wasn't as great. But his weaponry in the red zone was you didn't know if he was going to run or pass. And they they have just telegraphed that formation wise every time. And for everything that the coaching staff gets right, I think that they did build a good culture. I think that they have surrounded Josh Allen with some pretty good talent. I think that schematically they do some decent things. And then they also have, um, but, but they, they just get this wrong. And I think what it comes down to for me is that they're almost, it's, it's one of, it's two things. I think first of all, going back to last year in the chiefs game, right through McDermott turtles. He turtles. He he gets gun shy. He's trying to kick a field goal. Yeah. Like late in the game with the wind. Now granted if they make it, that might change the end of the game, right? Like now you're talking a field goal wins it. Right. And they know? had lost a ton of yards. It was not like fourth and goal from the five. They I get it, but there's nothing else happening. Right. right. It's just like there and also is, their their stupid play calling put them in that fourth and forever position that they decide to try a field goal. Right. And and that that comes extra down to point distance. It was extra point distance that they were at functionally. Functionally. But like, I don't know. I still don't think that it's like a good choice. I feel like I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I'm with Frank on this. I, they, they I, had think, such I think this leads to my second point in that they have just. When they when they coach not to lose, they lose. And and he has done that a couple of times. And I think hand in hand with that is they have handcuffed Josh Allen. I, I don't know if play wise or coaching wise or something, but he should never be under center in a tight formation unless you intend Josh Allen to run it. And it's only because you need one yard every other time. Josh Allen should be in shotgun. And it should be a threat that he can run. It should, it should that should never be taken away from him ever. A defense should always have to account for that. And they don't do that. They insist that like, well, we've got to get the running game going. Well, then let him run it. I don't know. Let him run it. He's as big as anybody who's tackling him. I am not afraid of him getting hurt running the football. I'm just not. Okay. He's basically stiff arming linebackers when he gets the chance and they get into these end zone situations. And I think some of the difference between last year and this year is, you know, it, you, you could say it might be the expectations that, that have been put on them, but I think it's really the coaching staff that are failing them. Somebody needs to cut Josh Allen loose, let him play some hero ball. And even if he turns the football over, he's probably going to score some points and it might shake some of this rust off because they get there. They have the talent. They need to keep doing what they're doing. Now, again, Dawson Knox had an inexplicably shitty game. And and yeah. frankly, I, I hate to pin it on one person, but like he's the difference in the game. 
at three different points, he, 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 a drive dies that shouldn't have died. A score doesn't happen. That should have happened. And really the missed field goal is absolutely like the Do- the Dawson Knox fiasco. I mean, he just, he just had a terrible game. And unfortunately it wasn't a terrible game for a tight end where it was like, well, he didn't do anything. He actively harmed the team. He just absolutely actively harmed the team. Right. This was Those not a Chris days. Gregg terrible game. This was, you know, a Lonnie Johnson terrible game for Bills yeah. historians out there. Days you have a terrible game and no one notices because the rest of the team played poorly or the rest of the team played really well. Right. The rest of the team really needed Dawson Knox to play well in this game, and he did not play well. Yeah, from the get-go, Dawson Knox was like, well, he's going to be needed because he's going to be a short pass. It's going to get underneath any sort of shell that they're doing, and he's the difference, right? He's the reason gonna- that— Run after catch. He's yeah, the, yeah, knock over a guy. Exactly what Scott said, the yard after catch thing, because he's a bigger guy. And he did that. And when he finally did catch a pass, he bowled through three guys and got a first down. The first drop he had is like a first down plus 10 yards. It's just it's it's just hard. Yeah. And it, it's one thing if like it's. Let's talk about Mac Jones for a second. His first completion is about seven feet above the receiver. <laughs> and like in a, it falls into like a juggling Cirque du Soleil catch. Okay, and then he doesn't throw another pass until the fourth quarter, you know, and and, and meanwhile, I mean, Knox is getting hit in the hands. Allen has the control. This is not a game of, well, we need a dome. You didn't need a dome. You needed to trust that Josh Allen was going to get it done. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say on this is is really a philosophical point, too. I mean, McDermott has gotten very far with this 111th of the team stuff. And I get it. And I think that is an equitable way to look at things. And it is always dangerous to quote George Orwell, but some animals are more equal than others. And <laughs> that is where I am at. Josh Allen's one eleventh needs to be bigger than everybody else's one eleventh, And that is the only understandable way that this offense works. And it's the only way it should work. And we should stop asking Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to embarrass us you know, frankly, I'm sorry. It's not even fully their fault. It's we're not a great run blocking team for them, but whatever we fucking blow at it. So when you get to Tampa this week, why not throw it 56 times? I don't know. Why not throw it 40 times and run it 15 times with Josh Allen and just, just see what happens because the season is in fact on the line. Um, it's not actually on the line this week with Tampa. I will get to my thoughts on that when we talk a bit more uh, about it. Um, because I do think that the bills are frankly in a weirdly good place other than this stupid game. Um, but I, the, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot and it is time for this to stop. So that is where I am at, uh, right. with this so, team. So are, so it, Bel- it, Belichick can channel Sun Tzu all he wants. McDermott channel Napoleon, the pig. That's what we want you to do. Precisely. Okay. Let's go to three stars while I have some pizza. Well, okay. I was just going to, will you let me agree with you? How dare you? How? Agreement is not allowed on this podcast. I have a lot yeah, of I questions, think... Ryan. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yes, please agree with me, and then uh, do, do what yes. you like. Well, yeah. I mean, I I feel like I just want to say, like, I have been the first one to kind of be like, I am I am not all the way on the Frank. Like, we don't even need to run. We don't even need to put Josh Allen under center kind of strategy. Like, I think that's maybe a touch too far. I have been trying to to argue for some balance, but my idea of balance, just to be clear, is not a 50-50 run-pass split because, as multiple people have pointed out this week on a variety of forums, the team this team's offense was not designed to do that. It was not designed to be a balanced offense. 
And I would I would be interested if anyone has any brief thoughts before we get to three stars of like the whole McDermott well, Dable. Paul, uh, Joe on, you know, Paul and Joe on Twitter were talking about how they basically want to run, run the wing tee from Nebraska. Well, I said I wish the game had evolved in that way. <laughs> it is not. But you know what? When was what was their last really great offensive game before they became a 500 team? The Kansas City game was the last game. And they ran more sets with Gilliam in there, with Kumarau in there. They had at least the threat to run on those plays. And then sometimes they were passes to guys like Gabe Davis or Tommy Sweeney or whoever was on the field. Like at least showing that balanced attack gave yes, but of course, a great offensive day. But like the threat wasn't Zach Moss and Devin Singletary running up the middle. The, it, the threat it, was, it, we don't quite know where the run's coming from. Okay, I can get behind that. I mean, I think that's the thing is, is that is I I agree with Frank that the red zone play calls were not were not good. I agree, like I said before, that Moss and Singletary should be they don't need to be fired into a cannon uh, into the sun, but they should not be getting the starter touches. And because they don't add anything, they don't really add anything to the offense. No one is going to be threatened. There's no reason for you to take your eye off of the Bills passing offense because of what the threat that Singletary and Moss provide. And I don't think. And I am increasingly concerned that there is some sort of thing going on with Dable and McDermott, where McDermott is the one saying we have to run the ball. I, I know that that they're, you know, that this is not an original thought, and obviously it doesn't really matter. All that matters is what the play calls are and when they happen. But it is very odd that last year we seemed to be pretty fine and scoring a lot of points, and our answer to the failures of the offense this year is we need to run more because that, that doesn't really seem like the best answer to this. Um, but anyway, unless anyone has any thoughts, I will I will move on. I think that the only thing I would add is you got to remember that with some of these losses that the Bills have had this year, it isn't this problem. Like, I don't think Tennessee is this problem, right? Tennessee is just like you played another excellent team and you came up three points short. And I think there are things to point to. I mean, Jacksonville's inexplicable. But, you know, <laughs> yes, that's that's why whenever we think, well, you know, even if they lose to Tampa, they could run the table. I'm like, yeah, they lost to Jacksonville. They could also do the bad running of the table, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, but the Pittsburgh game and the um, what was the last loss before this one? It was um, Indy. Indianapolis, right? Like, you know, so, Indianapolis, I think they might lose to Indianapolis anyway, because they're sort of a, a, a Titans clone. But um. That's a lot about that is a lot about personnel missing. I, I, we didn't bring it up. The fact that like they they lose AJ Klein uh, like hours before the yeah. football game. I don't know if that makes a lot of difference. I, I mean, it, it Dotson that. played how many snaps? He played most of the snaps that game. Those were yeah. Klein snaps. And he was partially to blame, along with Milano, along with Edmonds and everyone else who got out of their lane and caused Micah yeah. Hyde to admit on that long run. Yeah, it's really sort of, you know. I don't know, right? Does does AJ Klein stay in his lane? Does it does, he, yeah. does that change it? Maybe, but that's a hard that's a hard thing to say for sure. Um, so I, I'll, my only point was that you know um, the last thing I'll say about this game, and it's it it ties in a bit with with Scott, is that like you know we everybody going into this game said, well, this game is going to be a, a total mess. And was very clear, like, it's the kind of game you can't draw any conclusions from. And there has been nothing but conclusions drawn about the Bills and the Patriots coming out of this game. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like on a clean field, even on a cold day, I'm prepared to take Buffalo over New England. I don't really I didn't really see anything that, like, shook me up as far as as far as the Patriots were concerned. Um, but I'm, I think we should go to three stars now, if that's OK. Yes, let's do that. Um sure. 
I will say that honorable mentions are few this week. Honorable mention goes to the Great North Wind, mm. which came down and obviously had a tremendous impact. Um, Huge, you know, undefeated in this game was the win. Um, very consistent performance throughout all four quarters. Um, third star goes to Greg Rousseau, uh, Groot. For did have a nice game. Four tackles, one for loss, um, four run stops, which actually puts him more towards the top of the Bills' run stop list. And was it did show up in in the game watch as someone who did come to play and has been a good run player really all season um, with his length and his ability to kind of just not be blocked on run plays, which is important to have in a game like a Patriots game, um, but ultimately not not enough to get it done, but a good game nonetheless for him. Uh, second star goes to uh, Matt Judon, a guy who was a good player in Baltimore, obviously did not have, uh, he ended up with a sack. Um, Spencer Brown did okay against Matt Judon, which is good for Spencer Brown, given that yes. he was a rookie coming off of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Matt Judon's an all-star. Uh, Matt, yeah. Matt Judon's on, uh, basically an all-pro. Um, you know, but, you know, Brown was, the fact that Judon only had three tackles and a sack is, and, uh, and another QB hit on top of it is not bad for Spencer Brown. It just means that of people in this game who had kind of noticeable impacts, Judon was closer to the list. Otherwise, Spencer Brown had a good game. I think the, I think in general, the, the, the line did an okay job again, kind of buying time for Allen when there was, when there was, um, a, pl- a pass called. But it, it just wasn't consistent enough. And obviously, you know, again, some of them were Allen missed calls or Knox drops or whatever it was. But um, but the line did okay. But Judon still had a, had a good game. And obviously, the rest of the Patriots is not going to do. First star goes to uh, the only person on offense who would, on either team, who would have a game that they would probably remotely be proud of. The uh, <laughs> D, D. Harris. The Corkle Jones. <laughs> Damian Harris, I was struggling with his first name. Damian Harris, who had who went out early, and let's let's hope that you know if he wants to leave early the next game too, that's probably fine. Um, the the, la- the latest in a long line of New England running backs who really have no pedigree to speak of, but somehow <laughs> find a way to torch the Bills. Yeah, with an eleven point one yards, Brady, right? Yeah, with an eleven point one yards carry average. Um, for the 111 yards total and the touchdown, obviously that was uh, functionally the difference in the game. Um, and that those uh, those are your three stars from this horrific, horrific when you, uh, game. When you brought up the no-name running backs, I have to mention Brandon Bolden was on the field for New England. Was. He, yeah, was. he's now, uh, like, I forgot how old he is, but he's, he's, I think he's now in 31 or 32. In his second career game in 2012, he played... The Buffalo Bills, and then I promise I, I will get over this. But um, he scored, he ran for 16 times for 137 yards. Uh, the rest of that season, he ran for 120 yards. And he played 12 games, mind you. He's right. never rushed for more than 274 yards in any season in his career. And yet the Bills <laughs> had no problem giving up a billion yards to him. Uh, so, yeah. Welcome, Damian Harris, to that club. Could ask me how many yards Brandon Bolden has rushed for in his career. I would have been like, I don't know, six, seven thousand. <laughs> <Like, laughs> no, 
1,240 in 10 seasons is the correct and, answer. And 900 against the Bills. Yes. I would love to look. I'll look up his splits at random uh, while we're going into our next topic. Well, our next topic is the fact that the Bills are the seven seed. Uh, so they have gone, you know, from presumptive home field favorites to on the bubble of being out. And frankly, with the Colts not playing next week, um, a Bills lost in Tampa would temporarily at least put them out of the playoffs because they would be tied with the Colts at seven and six. The Colts would own a head-to-head tiebreaker. I don't know how that would play if the Raiders beat the Chiefs. They would also be seven and six. There might be some fancy math that needs to happen. There is also the Bengals and 49ers at at seven and five. But a, a, a Tampa loss could definitely put this team um, out of the current playoff picture. Um, but of course, there are many weeks left before then. Uh, the New England Patriots vomit in your mouth. Uh, they're number one overall. The Titans, the Titans seem to be the the worst second seed in the history of the universe. Um, they they struggled the other week. They're probably going to beat the Jaguars. They're certainly going to going to make it to the playoffs. But like, it's not ruled out that the the Colts wouldn't catch them. Um, you know, you've got the Ravens third, the Chiefs fourth. The Chargers fifth, the Bengals sixth, Bills seventh, and as as Scott rightly said in our in our message today, uh, the Bills could win or lose any game between now and the Super Bowl. Um, and I think there is just no better way to express who the Buffalo Bills are this year, um, other than Paul, who rightly helped me shape some thoughts. Um, it was his thoughts, and I helped shape them too. Um, that this is more or less the bickering Bills of 1989. Yep. Um, you know, great team, 88, 89, sort of fumbled into winning the AFC East in the playoffs and bounced in the first round, uh, yelling at reporters, can't get on the same page, you know, huge expectations and then they blew it. Um, so disconnects between the coordinators and the head coach. We got it all. Yes. It's, it's a lot of history repeating itself here in the, in the Buffalo area. So the good news, if you're a Bills fan is then this was followed by four straight Super Bowls. The bad news is of course, that this could just, you know, end poorly period. But I, you know, I sort of believe in Josh Allen too much to really, you know, I feel like, I feel like he's in that Jim Kelly mold where you're like, well, you're going to put together good football teams around him. Um, but we're here, uh, you know, and I'm going to ask, so, Paul, you put key games. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. if you meant key games for other teams or if you meant key Bills games going forward. I know we haven't done a a, a schedule preview in a while. Preview in a while. I'm, I'm prepared yeah. to do that. Um, yeah, I was thinking more about the, this week's, not just this week's upcoming games, but some of the, the key games that um, we're gonna that the Bills opponents are gonna have. Obviously, one of the big ones is not this coming week, but the week after when Indy faces New England, and yeah. then. That becomes a matter of who do you root for? Are you, you know, does it does a result of the Tampa Bay game, uh, you know, matter on that front? And then you look at teams like, okay, well, these teams are behind us, so we don't have to worry about them. But then you have a team like the, you know, the the Raiders who seem to have more of a win. They have the Chiefs this week, but then have more of a winnable schedule the rest of the way. Are you still worried about the Raiders finishing with the same record as you? So this yeah. was kind of more of my is there. Are there any games that you guys have in mind? And I mentioned probably the key one, which is Colts Patriots, that the Bills are not involved in that you think might kind of shape where we're going from here. And of course, I could have actually posed this before a podcast and giving you guys time to research it. But that's fine. Um, Scott, do you have any? Have you done any thought thinking on this? I mean, I guess 
do we, I, I have a little question and it's sort of related and sure. you can tell me, yeah. um, I guess, do we feel like the culture of the team is still intact mm. the same way that we've seen it? Like that Frank referenced before, like the do your 111th and, you know, we're building a culture of, you know, we, we aren't going to have the problem childs, right? We're not going to have um, the TOs or the big egos, you know, those aren't good character fits, whatever that, that whole logic is. Yeah. And it, it all rings, it all works well when you're winning and getting better. And when you're losing and Hyde is snapping at reporters <laughs> and McDermott yep. is calling out the returners of like, I don't really trust them. And it's clear that Kenzie <laughs> is not really on the same page. And, and people, then he replied on Twitter with damn. Right yeah. when he saw that McDermott said that, so yeah. After after there was another McKenzie thing a couple of weeks ago that we were kind of asking some questions. Yeah, about. Yeah, he had a joke but, about not seeing the field again all year, which which and, he hasn't actually since that happened. So you well, know. both Thad Brown and Sal Capaccio, I believe, were both like, "No, I think he's just joking. It's okay." And it's been two weeks now, and that was a weird and, answer from McDermott. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder. Like, I mean, again, like these things are not the. I don't, they're certainly not a cause of losing, but it is a symptom that there's something that the team is struggling with what's going on and they don't really know what's going ahead. And I don't, I don't know if there's anything to do with that. I don't know. I think the question right. is, is do, how worried are, should we be about it? I guess. Even Lars brought up the potential divisiveness of things like vaccination status. Yeah, like, can you tell me that, that, that they're happy that, you know, OK, here's the one game where we really need to play three linebackers and we have a reliable third linebacker and A.J. Klein. And, oh, he doesn't get vaccinated. Now he's out with. Yeah. COVID. And if that's the and if that's the first time, maybe that's different than than now. But I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're talking Brown and Latule and yep. all sorts of people have missed multiple games with that this. the Bills lost a lot of these games that they yeah. were they missed. Yes. So I, I don't I can't imagine that there's like a. You know, I, I would be hard pressed to imagine that there's not somebody in that locker room resenting that. Like, I think there are yeah. definitely stress fractures um, along those lines. I think you can see some stuff, but I think the core is still there because I think you do have mostly that type of player. I sort of believe in Allen. I, I, this is very cheesy, but I, I do. I believe in him as a competitor and as a player and as a leader. He certainly carries himself that way. And I think that that is that, you know, even if this year falls apart, I sort of believe in the long term success of him. But there's going to need to be some flexibility. I mean, McDermott needs to grow, you know, and, and Dable needs to grow and they need to like let I, I'm totally projecting. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like. <laughs> I obviously don't know the answers to these things, but it certainly feels like they need to let go a little and let let the players play. As I talked about before, I think that would cure a lot of things. I, I, I you look at him and Diggs and some of the other guys and you can tell that there's big chunks of this team that are that are doing just fine despite the losing, I feel like. But, you know, you do need to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, they uh, need to get back to their 2017 selves. Remember, they had that stretch in the middle of the season where they were, they not only lost, but they lost horrendously. They lost a Thursday night game to the Jets we watched together, got destroyed by New Orleans, which made them think they should try Peterman at quarterback, which led to them being destroyed by the Chargers. And then I just remember the next week, Scott, I uh, went to, for his daughter's baptism. We're like, oh, we're going to miss the game. We're like, who cares? We're not going to miss anything. They're playing the Chiefs. And then they went on the road and beat the Chiefs. So, you know, I will say they do have a history of 
in 2017 at least of McDermott being like, okay, now the adversity, now we're really behind it. Now we've got to step up. They've shown mm-hmm. they can respond, but it is concerning that they have not been able to, uh, to use Scott's favorite term, stack wins at all since the Chiefs game. It's been win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. So just so you know, I mean, th- just to get back to the, the question about key games, um, I mean, obviously Colts Patriots is a key game. I think there are benefits to both uh, both results. It was seem almost kind of like the Patriots and the and the Tennessee game where, you know, if you're like me and I look at Panthers, Patriots, Falcons and Jets, right? I think the Bills can win those games. I obviously know they can lose those games, but like I still can't in good conscience turn around and say, yeah, they're going to lose to the Panthers. They're going to lose to the Falcons. They're going to lose to the Jets. I, I don't really have a reason to think that other than then they could fuck up. And like, that's just, that's everybody. So with me, I look at those games and I say, okay, if the bills get those games, then I think I want the Colts to be the Patriots because I think that puts, that's the one more loss you need to win the AFC East. Basically the bills need to beat the Patriots the, going into last week, Monday night, it was always about, you need to split with the Patriots. You don't even have to beat them because you can get the tiebreaker by splitting with them and beating the jets. So obviously the bills have more work to do other than just winning in Foxborough in, in week 16, but they don't even really need to beat the pay, the Buccaneers. It's, it's about beating the Patriots and the jets in conference and then picking up two of the other three Buccaneers, Panthers, and Falcons. And I think two of those teams are, are bad. Like they're bad. And so I don't know, I'm kind of ready for that. And and if you do that, you know, you're in excellent position to, to first of all, win the division. And if not go to the wild card. So for me, I am prepared to, to, to root for the Colts um, over that. The other games that get the Patriots play are Jaguars and Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are sort of, you know, the Dolphins are sort of coming on a bit here, but like, I don't really <laughs> well, they, they've won five in a row. So that all of a sudden is a, a thing, although the bills have so many more tiebreakers over them. They're not a direct threat. Right. But if you don't believe that the bills can catch the, the, the Patriots, then you probably want to root for the Patriots to win. Cause that'll push the Colts down and they're a team with a tiebreaker yep. and the Colts play the Cardinals. I mean, the thing with the, the Colts is they've got Cardinals, Raiders, Jaguars, Patriots left. And that's a much tougher, you know, road to hoe. I mean, the Cardinals are a very good team. The Raiders are probably a good enough team. The Jaguars, not so much. The Patriots are a good team. So there's a good chance that the Patriot, that the Colts will fall short just based on the fact that, you know, they have a harder schedule. But for me, I don't know. I feel like the East is still up for grabs. I feel like, the, you know, the Bills have been written off too quickly. They've certainly dug their own grave, but they are not laying down in it yet. So, um I'm prepared to to kind of root for that game. And other than that, if if that game goes poorly, if that game goes wrong, then we'll have to discuss more key games because we'll probably be in the position of, okay, you can't catch New England anymore. Um, most yeah, likely. it'll be good to review. I think after this week, we'll have some clarity because then we're down to the final four, right. final four games. And we're like, okay, here's what we need to happen with these teams. And if you upset the Bucks. Right, if you upset so, the Bucks, I'm rooting for the Colts or for the yeah for the Colts hands the down. Colts, yeah, now, then you're in really good position. You have a you you're still looking at the number one seed like in a weird yep. way. So, you know, the point is the Bills can the Bills definitely control their own playoff destiny. They have a good chance at they can put themselves in excellent position for the the division. Um, you know, they don't need help. You know, but they they they, they could use some. I think is the way to 
to look at it. Uh, speaking of, let's see, I'm going to skip the injuries and we're going to go to listener questions in this day and Bill's headlines, Paul. Sounds um, good. So um, let's pull yeah, up. I'll, yeah, well, you do the first up. one. Yeah. yeah, well, you're putting up listener questions. I scrolled to the bottom, so I'll scroll up and you'll scroll down and we'll meet in the middle. But um, David Leary, after noting after last night's game, I'm considering changing my Wi-Fi password from wide right to question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, I'm wondering what he is going to change it to. Yeah. Uh, but then he said, question for this week's show, how much responsibility can we put on Tyler Bass? Can't he tell McDermott, nope, I can't make the kick or we need a TD. I'm not going out there to kick a field goal. Um Maybe even just have his crazy ass take the snap and run it in by himself. I would have I loved that. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting anything on on Bass. It's he knew it was a talk. He he told uh, the sideline report before the game. Anything inside extra point and inside is is like the limit. And he was at the limit. And I think they knew the limit. And unfortunately, he missed that kick by, you know, less than a foot. So that was just unfortunate uh, that that happened. Yeah. Um, and then David asks, uh, David asks, is stacking the box against the run a mistake in the Tennessee game, the New England game? Big TD runs happened because there was no one in the secondary to make the tackle. I don't know if it's a mistake because if you don't stack the box, then they're going to gain five yards carry. And that's also a bad scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, not that getting three, two, three, and then 67 is a good scenario, but you know. Proof is in the pudding of like, if the Bills had scored more than 14 points in this game, we probably wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Right. The Patriots wouldn't have wouldn't have run the game. So I think now, that would have that would have done it. Let me read David's last question here, which is the the can of worms that has been opened over the last few weeks. Does the Pagula's preference for an open air stadium mean that they don't care about game day revenues? In a bad season, how can they fill the stadium in weather like Mondays? It was long ago that we had to move a game to Detroit because of snow. Didn't that lose them some money? I actually don't think that that lost them money. There is almost some sort of insurance involved with like that sort of level of change. Um, but people go to the football game. I don't, I, 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 the one thing I do know, David is across sports ticket revenue and is, and, and concession revenue is about the County, not the team. Like the people who work there make money, not so much the Pagulas who basically get all of their money from TV. Like that's where that goes. Um, I, I don't really think it means that they, you know, don't, get care about game day revenue i think i'm sure they care somewhat about it that's part of the negotiations with the with the with the county and the state i think that a game like yesterday and the snow game that got moved to detroit and you know are very few and far between even though they've happened twice because you also get the the bills Colts snow game which everybody loves and if you went to that game you're like a proud warrior of having gone to the game so i don't know i think there's a lot of I appreciate you know what I appreciate about David. David is not making an argument about it's better for the football team to be playing in the dome because I think that's a really lame argument. Um, David is making a I am a consumer and I probably would prefer to watch it in the dome, which I can fully respect that argument. I think that they somebody did math and said half a billion dollars more is not worth what you will probably make in 20 to 30 years over use of the football right in, in lost ticket gate if you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. A plus B equals plus C equals X. And if X is less than the price of a total recall, we don't do one. Joe, uh, this guy, Joe Saranaka, (laughs) uh, this guy, if the O-line cannot win at the point of attack, Scott, should the bills use more of a misdirection triple option? Look, as Allen is a legitimate ball carrier. I'm asking Scott. 
I obviously love um, all of our um, people who we used to drink with. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would, as I had, I think I have said at least once or maybe, maybe once or twice, and it's not a regular thing. Josh Allen cannot and has not run the option well. Like, it doesn't look natural when he does it. He doesn't make the right reads all the time. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. I don't think he ran it in high school. He did not really run it in college. I understand why it's attractive because obviously he has the athletic skill set to wear a run pass option and having that be in his toolkit makes a lot more sense. But having that running a triple option, obviously one out of the out of a no kidding like Nebraska wing T triple option does not make sense from the personnel standpoint from the Bills. Running it out of a more kind of spread um, wide receiver enabled, you know, whether it's a two back system with Allen or even kind of a more, um, you know, a more conventional Robert Griffin, the third kind of, or Lamar Jackson kind of RPO style offense. It just doesn't work as well because he doesn't, he is not as decisive and um, he is as good as an athlete as he is. He is more like a, um, he is, he is the train in the meme that hits the bus. Like he is not, um, a race car. Like he is not a zero to 60. He's, he's moving in the right direction. And that's, what's really critical when you're running the option is you have to be behind the defensive line by the time, as soon as you've made that read, because that's where you're going to have the, the biggest advantage. And he's a good running, he's good running quarterback, but he is a not terribly accelerant. Like he doesn't accelerate quick enough for that to really work. So I would say, um, can we use more designed runs in, runs with him? Yes. Um, I think there are times when we use those more and I think we save them for big games. This could have been a game where we could have had more of them. Um, it's always one where it's like, I don't think I've ever, I'm not sure I've had a game in a while, maybe earlier on in his career when his pass game was more effective. I'm not sure I've had a game in a while where I was like, Josh Allen ran the ball too much. In this game. <laughs> I don't think I've, I don't think I've said that. Um, in, so in, yeah, yes, that's my thoughts. In wrestling terms, he's more of a Keith Lee instead of a Rey Mysterio. Like, he can do some surprisingly athletic things, but he's not super fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not that's not a shot on him. It's just, let's be realistic about his game. Yes. I also don't know how much, how serious Joe was about running a triple option. Great. Knowing Joe, he probably was just fucking with me and Paul. But, but he got a serious answer. Cause he did. I, I knew yeah. Scott would have a good answer. So I thought, you know, if anybody else is wondering. Clearly, I... Clearly, I fell for it. So I'm no, I no, I presented it in a very serious tone. It's it's not your fault. Lastly, Greg wants to know on a scale of one to ten, how freaked are, out are you guys? Um, I, I I'll go ahead since Greg didn't fill out all of his thoughts. I'll say one is not at all freaked mm-hmm. out and ten is the most freaked out you can be. I will start. I am a four. Yeah. I am surprisingly more than Frank, but not to the roof. I am a six. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to say six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel like th- my thing is like, uh, I still think if they get to the playoffs, they can, you know, really make noise because they have the talent and the horses to do it. But now I have genuine concerns about whether or not they'll make the playoffs. <laughs> and if well, they because... do, they have yet to put together back-to-back wins. So... Well, no, they have put back to. Back to right, back just not together. since the Chiefs game, which right. was in early October. Yes. Okay. Seven. Shut your. Okay. Um, 
got to be your bowl. Uh, all right. So this day in Bill's headlines, and then we can yep. open up about how freaked out we are. We can indeed. I also to circle back on earlier topic. Brandon Bolden has 240 career rush yards against the Buffalo Bills, which is exactly 100 more yards than he has against any other team in his NFL career, uh, which is significant because he only has 1,200 yards in his entire career. That's so so, so about about one fifth of them against the Bills. Yes, so 20 okay. percent. Fabulous. All right, on we go to this day in Bills headlines for December 10th, 2020. Mm. Bills blank unselfish and determined shined on national stage in starting left guard opportunity. PFF graded him as the game's best offensive lineman for either team. He earned a 79.1 overall grade as Allen was hardly bothered all night, throwing for 375 yards and four touchdowns in a 34-24 signature win on Monday night in front of the world. Kind of the opposite of what happened last year when we crushed the 49ers on uh, Monday night. The left guard? Yep. Starting left guard was D. Um, wait, uh, I'll give, I mean, I'll at give this you point, that. It was Becker Feliciano, or no, Feliciano had. Yeah, yeah, you know, you okay? I, he was the one. He was the same guy who started at left guard on on Monday this week. Don't overthink it too much. Butker. Butker, yes, very good. Ike Butker. All right. Womp. Okay, twenty sixteen. Buffalo Bills blank just outside of top coaching candidates, says NFL.com. Based upon his success this season, blank is becoming a popular name among possible head coach candidates in the offseason. Brian off Dable. No, 2016. He was oh. not here yet. Uh, in his latest coaching candidate article on NFL.com, Connor Orr listed blank just outside of the top four candidates. Blank was Anthony Lynn? Anthony Lynn, very yes. good. He All would right. indeed become a coach for four seasons after that. Uh, in fact, he would become a coach for the Bills within a month when they fired Rex Ryan. Um, 2015, excuse me, 2015, with Gilmore sidelined, blank, ready for bigger role. If I have to, if that's what's required to do, I'm up for the challenge, blank said. I just prepare. I have to prepare harder, practice a lot harder. What year was this again? 2015. Okay. He was a rookie. He was playing in his first of two seasons with the Bills. He is mm-hmm. currently a member of the Denver Broncos. I'll give a big hint that he's won a Super Bowl along his journeys as well between the Bills and the Broncos. Not with the Bills, I guess. Not with the Bills, nor with the Broncos. Second round pick of the Bills in 2015 out of Florida State University. He's a native of nearby Oxon Hill, Maryland, not far from... Oh yeah, across the river. Podcasting, yep. Yeah. Um. I don't oh. remember this guy. He was yeah. a pretty big hyped up, and he was one of the guys. I'll give the this should get it for you. Uh, he was traded away amidst the purging uh, that McDermott did prior to coming over during. Is this the is this happened. a gains? It is not a gains. Nope. Okay. So it was in the the like uh, so Cordigan got traded. And Tyrod was ousted. Right. And, and Sammy Watkins. I think this guy was traded the same day Sammy Watkins was. Sammy. Oh, um, he went to the. No, he didn't go to the Rams. No, this is the guy they traded Jordan, for Jordan Matthews. Yeah, he went to the Eagles. And it. Oh, 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 is, oh, is. Uh, yeah, I remember it now. It is. But what is his name? Um, That's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that is that is that is the challenge. Yeah, but, no, I'm I'm starting to get it's starting to kind of come to me and I can't focus. And I want to say it's not Asante Samuel because he was, and it's not Asante yeah, Samuel Jr. who's in we, the league. I think the buzzers rang here. We yeah, know. it is uh, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby, the other Gaines. <laughs> Joe is Joe is yelling at you guys through the the podcasting uh, device he's listening to right now. You should ask uh, me if I care. <laughs> Twenty fourteen. Wide receiver blank up for first NFL sportsmanship award. Hmm. Well, we enjoy the incredible performance. Terrell of Owens. <laughs> Terrell Owens. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, enjoy the incredible. We must never forget a core valuable football that transcends all levels and exemplifies the complete athlete sportsmanship. I'll give a hint. Well, let's say I'll give you a couple chances. 2014 Bills wide receiver. Uh, so this is for T.O. It's a. Uh... After T.O. This is after T.O. Yeah. T.O. is like 2008 or 9. Yeah. This is like Sammy Watkins' time. It is Sammy Watkins' time. However, is this Sammy is not Watkins? the NFL Flat Earthmanship Award. Okay. Um, yeah. There's, he's one of the top four. They had four receivers at this point, all of whom went on to do bigger and better things the second they left Buffalo. Robert Woods. Robert Woods is one of them. He's not this guy. Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin is the third who went on to San Francisco. This is the fourth guy. Went on to win a Super Bowl. Retired, <laughs> on, yep, retired on October 23rd of 2021. He was undrafted out of Monmouth. Four seasons with the Bills. As well as the Patriots, Panthers, and Jets. Oh, Chris um, Hogan. Chris Hogan. Yeah, yeah. There we go. All right. Speaking of wide receivers, 2005. Blank's versatility may be spark plug for Bill's offense. I wouldn't say Roscoe our game. Parrish. Oh, okay. Fine, Frank. Roscoe Parrish it is. No, go ahead. Read the headline, though. Yes. Yeah, that was the, you, you know, I the only, I just say it was a quote from Bill Belichick saying, I wouldn't say our game plan will be dramatically different without molds. They've been using Parrish on a lot of deceptive type plays, reverses and quick screens and stuff like that. And then he went on about Roscoe for a while. But you got it. All you needed was that he was a, a versatile Bill's wide receiver from 2005. So well done. All right. 2002 humbled blank set for hall for about three decades blank has represented university of michigan highland park in more impressive ways than this in 1974 is a star lineman with the buffalo bills joe delamalier that was a great guess uh mm. the next thing was going to be he and joe delamalier were <laughs> oj simpson's pulling guards on his frequent sweep runs that made him the first 2000 rusher during the 1973 season, he was often referred to by Simpson as his main man was the leader of the team's electric company, which turned on the juice. I feel He's like a, Joe was the only lineman in the in the hall, though. So did well, he I, I will give the, the hint here. Uh, he was a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm. He was a first team all pro for the Bills in 73 and second team all pro in 74 and 75. And he was inducted into the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame in 2016. Played 11 years in the uh, pros. Second so round pick out of Michigan, 72. He's probably on the the wall, right? He's probably on the ring. He's on the wall of fame, yes. I'm not going to get it because Joe Delamalier is basically Joe Delamalier, OJ Simpson, and and um, Joe Ferguson are about the extent <laughs> of my 70s bills. All right, so. well, there's Jim Braxton would block for them, and the other guard was this gentleman, unless Scott had a guess. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, who who by the way didn't start oh, acting until age 42. Oh, so you've oh. got time, Scott. Um, it was Reggie McKenzie. So try and remember that name. It's a good Bills historian question. All right. Three of these to go. 2001 NFL fines Bills blank $30,000. Mm. 
Buffalo receiver Blank was fined 30000 by the NFL for shoving an opponent from behind after the Bills game against San Francisco. The league considered two $5,000 fines Blank received for unnecessary roughness earlier this season to determine the amount of the $30,000 fine. NFL spokesman Dan Masonson said Monday, this is a temperamental wide receiver from 2001. Peerless price? That is correct. You could there have. Eric Moulds also would have worked as a temperamental wide receiver from 2001. Yeah, I, it just didn't seem like a Moulds thing, though. I don't know. Yeah. No, well, Moulds was more of a spitter than a shover, according to the Miami <laughs> yeah. Dolphins, anyway. Yes. All right. 1997. Rookie Blank continues to hammer away in his attempt to win Battle of the Bulge. Next big battles in the football career of the Buffalo Bills guard Blank comes in January, February, and March as he attempts to maintain his six foot six, three hundred sixty pound frame. Nineteen ninety seven round four pick out of Florida A and M. He spent four years with the Bills. He was out of football in one, and then two more seasons with the Dolphins. After that, start all sixteen games for the Bills at right guard in two thousand. I will give the I will reread the headline as there's a hint contained therein. Rookie Blank continues to hammer away in his attempt to win Battle of the Bulge. Hammer. Jamie Nails. Scott got wow. that. Scott got I was going to go with like a Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oh, ah, yes. Greg, good old Greg Valentine. Uh, sadly, never a bill. All right. Last one. 1989. You knew it was going to be 1989. Mm-hmm. Blank's toughness can't be second guessed. This is a Buffalo News article by a writer named Jerry Sullivan, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Blank sees it, toughness is kind of picking your sport, your spots of getting people's attention. It's like spanking your kids. You'd rather not do if the time comes and you have to give them a whack. Just make sure you remember where they remember where it came from. This is 1989, folks. Uh, yeah, right. That. Uh, at some point, you have to establish a little command every week as the Bills offensive coordinator blank stands on the sidelines with his headset on and he decides what plays his team is going to run. So it's the offensive coordinator. Yep. So would, that would be Ted Marchabroda. Ted Marchabroda would be correct. Right. I'm surprised job. I was I was certain you would you would try and shoehorn a Mark Pike headline. No, there. I did this before we found out the unfortunate news about uh, Mark Pike, who I'm glad you mentioned, uh, Frank, he was. People forget about him because of how great Tasker was. He is, in yeah. fact, the Bills' all-time leading, leading special teams ta- tackler. Yeah. Uh, he played 11 seasons with the team, uh, retired, I think, uh, right after Jim Kelly did in 96, uh, as did Kent Hull. He was really a leader of those that team during the special teams days, so I'm glad you brought up uh, Mark Pike. And, Mark, we pay tribute to, to you with uh, this day in Bills headlines. Well, thank you again, Paul, for an excellent segment uh we are coming up on the hour here so let me tell you that don't worry guys we're just going to play the defending super bowl champion <laughs> perhaps the greatest player in the history of the nfl um without having an of, mvp season right now according right. to vegas yeah with a with a handful of you know, key injuries um so starla tulale is out Think so glad he came back um <laughs> he's got a toe problem uh tommy sweeney is a the second tight end he has a hip problem uh, John Feliciano has practiced last week and is practicing this week, but he's still technically on the IR. There's no sense that whether he'll get off or not, that's not sure. That's what she said. AJ mm-hmm. Klein uh, on the COVID list. And unless he is vaccinated and testing negative, he's not coming back. But that which, will which be, based on the masks he's been wearing for his interviews, I'm guessing he is he is not vaccinated. Perhaps yet. not. OK, well, I still wear a lot of masks, even though I'm sure. I mean, but fair enough. 
Uh, Reg Gilliam is questionable with an ankle issue and F.A. Obata with a hip issue. Um, and all of that adds up to three and a half point underdogs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a pick em game on a on a neutral field just about. Why uh, do people keep believing in the Bills? I just don't understand. I think that the talent is weirdly undeniable. And it's just a matter of the, I feel like it's just a matter of Josh Allen going rogue and just being like, you know, fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. And they just go out and they decide they want to score points and then they're gonna. And so I think that's why they keep getting picked close because, you know, they blow out bad teams. They lose close when they lose. And so I don't know. They, I think they feel like a sleeping lion to a lot of people. They still feel like a sleeping lion to me. I think that that's my issue with, getting really down on them because I think it's still there. It's just, it's not manifesting, which is a whole different kind of frustrating. Um, but sorry to get to this game, obviously Tampa Bay is a very good football team. I, I wanted to, did, does anybody know what Tampa's record at this time last year was? Because they were <laughs> a wild card team and yep. I know it wasn't that great. It was seven and the, five as has been right. brought up in a couple articles. Yep. I didn't actually know that. I, I, I assumed it was somewhere in this area. And, you know, they go on to win the Super Bowl and they might win the South this year um, because of the, the way the fact that the South. Oh, they will. They're, they're nine and three and the rest of the okay, South. Okay, yeah. Is so they're just the South is five and seven. Right. But the, the point is, like, they turned it on. And obviously there's a pedigree there with Tom Brady, but that wasn't necessarily going to be true in Tampa. Um, so, you know, another thing to look at for the Bills is, you know. I thought one more thing about this, and then I will turn it over to Scott, who has not had much chance to talk recently. But I thought about the first if the playoffs started today, we would be going to Tennessee. And I thought, oh, Tennessee. But then I thought, but wait a minute. Does Tennessee really want any part of Buffalo right now? Like and they, they don't have Derrick Henry right now. Exactly. And they don't have one or two of their receivers right now. Yeah. And so they're. It's a different team already, and I think that you look at Buffalo, and you, I think a lot of teams probably are looking at Buffalo as like, you need to take care of your business against them because they will, in fact, beat you if you don't. And that's not as good as here comes the juggernaut, but I think everybody is tiptoeing around the Bills in a way because I don't think you want to be on the receiving end when, if and when they decide to pull their shit together. Now, as I was saying, Tampa's an excellent football team. They have the best player in the history of the NFL. I, I I don't know. I can't really make an argument. You know, it's him. Okay. It was him. Um, <laughs> they've got a very good defense. They in fact do very good things. They do exactly the things that frustrate the bills, um, both offensively and defensively. And uh, they are at home and it's a nationally televised game. And so everything's going against Buffalo uh, in regards to all the, all the, uh, the chakras. Scott, do you have any thoughts on this game? If the bills will win, how they can win does it matter if they win are you going to watch uh the bills are going to lose they can win it does matter maybe i think that's those are my answers if you'd um, like to freestyle any thoughts feel free to oh okay yeah I can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> no uh yeah i think the chat i mean yeah frank's right i mean it, this is uh, you can say the matchup is slightly a little bit more favorable because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a better throwing team than a running team. But and, even and we've got the, Trey White, of course. Who, oh no, wait, never mind. Oh wait, yeah, exactly. Yes, which which would have been an argument until Trey White got hurt. And 
except for the last two weeks when Leonard Fournette has had five rushing touchdowns and they're probably going to start lathering him up so that he's ready to go into the season. And that just seems like a bad matchup as well. Um, I just, I like, could the Bills win this game? Sure. The uh, way we've been playing the last seven weeks suggests that when everyone's about to jump off the ship and they've just lost a game, they will then, you know, come back and win the next game, regardless of whether it's a good matchup or bad. I just don't, I, I can't actually make a pick that way. So I will look at the actual talent on the field and say, well, boy, we've never really had an answer for Rob Gronkowski. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone in the league does. So um, that combined with uh, with the rest of the Patriots, I just did it. Yep. the rest of the Buccaneers <laughs> wide receiver. You talked about Brady and Gronk. It was bound to happen. Really? Um, they, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, uh, a line, you know, the line is maybe the weak point of the offense, but it, it, given the inconsistencies on our defensive line, it's, I don't have no expectations that we're going to be able to take advantage of it. So I see the bills losing 34, 24. I think the offense will get slightly more on track, but, um, obviously the, if the Pats get up quick enough, then that'll put the bills into a must throw all the time situation, which while great for Frank, I get that is not actually a, a good thing um, when you've got Dominican Sue and Vita Vea and JPP and Devin Wine and Levante David and Shaq Barrett uh, and Antoine Winfield Jr. all kind of, you know, coming at you, including once upon a time, Bill Ross Cockrell in the secondary. Um, it just, it just doesn't, I don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, I think it's the box. All right. Uh, before Scott had started speaking, before we had even started this podcast today, I had also written down the score of 34 to 24 for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh, you are a sick man. I know. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, four reasons. One, uh, I'm a moron. Two, <laughs> the Bills have rotated wins and losses, as I mentioned like four times on this I, pod. And I it's win to, time. Oh, hold on. Time out. Time out. Yeah. I want you to know that on Monday night and Tuesday morning, if you looked at the Twitter feed, Paul was basically saying, I'm surprised they're not all going to jail. Like, <laughs> like this is the worst team in the universe, and there's a good chance that they're going to give the community cholera. Like, it was <laughs> Paul goes to the dark place. But by Friday, he's like, I don't know. Fuck it. Beat the, I, beat the, I will know you've read way too much darkness into that tweet about them being outplayed and outcoached, which I will stand by that they were very much outplayed and outcoached okay, on, okay. on Monday. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. One, me, moron. Uh, two, alternating wins and losses, time to win. Uh, three, I think the offense is going to have better. I, Ross Cockrell does not scare me. He's only scared me when he was a bill. That's when Ross Cockrell scared me. Uh, I think the, the Tampa Bay secondary and the Tampa Bay defense generally, yeah, it's a strong defense, but there are holes. The Bills are a decent matchup with them offensively. I think they will, in fact, get back to basics, which is what Diggs said. So I think they can put up. Those 34 points, despite missing, uh, I think the only key offensive player missing is Tommy Sweeney, who, let's face it, is not a key offensive player really by any means. Defensively is going to be a challenge, especially without Trey White, especially with Tom Brady picking on them, especially the fact that, you know, no one will be able to necessarily cover Rob Gronkowski. I think the, the one of the key things for me is, though, Brady, in his last six games against the Bills, four touchdowns five interceptions. The Bills have generally played Brady 
you know, very well as they've gotten, you know, Leslie better Frazier, talent yeah. during, during, yeah, with Leslie Frazier and during the McDermott era in general. I think they, they have the ability to shut them down. They have not done much in terms of takeaways in recent weeks. That is bound to balance itself out. They only had, I think, one, uh, the defense had one Jordan Poyer interception garbage time, and that was it. And the turnover they got on Monday uh, in the Patriots game was was a, a special teams one. So I think things align. I think luck begins to balance out a little better. And I think this will be a, a close game. It'll be like, you know, hand-to-hand combat with an otter. You know, you, you might come out of it worse for the wear, but you'll come out of it okay. So I'm going to say Buffalo 34-24. Well, if Paul is right... Let me just reset this here. And I've been wrong almost all season, by the way. This is good. This is good. So if Paul's right, the Bills go up to 88% chance to make the playoffs, the bulk of which is still the wild card. If Scott is right, they drop to 68% chance to make the playoffs, the bulk of which would be the wild card. A good 32% chance to be out. I am with Scott. I don't really see a path to victory for the Bills unless they really let them off the chain. I, I I feel like they can offensively match. Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss. Let them yes, off the de- chain. Yes, they just, you got to pound that ball. <laughs> got to get in the eye formation. And then yep. you just got to go left guard. Elevate right Antonio left Williams guard, from the right practice guard. squad. Call Christian right. Wade back. He's probably not doing much. Right. You hire a couple of sumo wrestlers to block and you're good. Um, no, I, I think that the only path to victory is going to require some luck. Um, I think the thing to keep in mind with the Buccaneers is they do lose football games. It's not like they're they're impossible to beat. But I think that the way they lost be- to the Trevor Simeon led New Orleans Saints and they also lost to the Dallas Taylor Heineke led Washington football team. Right. Bills didn't seem to have which- problems with either of those. Yeah, but both of which play like there's nothing to lose because there is nothing to lose for those teams, right? Like you just throw everything you can at it. And so I think that's what the Bills need to do. And I think the problem is that I think that we have to I think that McDermott needs to hit bottom still. I think that there's a little I think there's a little lower to go. And I think that that happens this week. And I think is barring any sort of horrific injury to a, a truly key player really anybody at this plate because you know, we're, we're sort of thin um now i think that i'm picking the bills to basically run the table from this point and i think that's what the saving grace of the season is going to be um i would love it if they beat the buccaneers i'll obviously be rooting for them i don't have any faith that they will um i think that and i i think that's because this is a good team too. I don't even think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think if you beat the, I think if you beat the Jaguars earlier this year, you're not nearly as worried about whether you beat the the Buccaneers or not. It's just they've put themselves in this bind, and and now like this game is a lot more important than than it needed to be. Um, but you know here we are, and I think I think this is I think this will be like a, a 34-21, you know thirty four. Um, I don't want to say thirty four. You're all saying thirty four. <laughs> I'll say thirty eight. I'll say 38, 28, take that. I think that, I think they'll score points. I think they'll find a way to score points. I think that they, the, the, they just won't be able to keep up with the bucks when the bucks want to score and that's it. And that's it for this podcast. So you can tune in next time. You can go to uh, Buffalo bills, maybe next year on the Google or just search maybe next year, MNY bills on Twitter. Uh, we do all the things we are looking forward to uh, talking about the team next week, hopefully after a victory. But if not, I think we'll finally be in the final quarter of the season or, or, or a little less than a quarter. And we will um, 
really get down to brass tacks with this team and the playoffs and, and what the hell is going to happen. So until then, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.